All right, everybody. As you're finding your seats, would you please grab a growth guide so that you can follow along with today's message? If you're watching online, you can download the growth guide. You can just follow the link that's on the screen or in the comments or the uh, description section. So switch screens, if you would, please. And today... Okay, yep, so, uh, and again, when you check in, uh, I know I did hear that we ran out of the check-in cards here, so you can always use the app even here if you uh, need to, to check in. So this is the last Sunday of the year, and I almost always like to use this time to look back with gratitude at what has happened over the past year, and to look forward in hope for what God might do for the year to come. And there's a, a habit or a practice that we see showing up in the scriptures many times that helps people to remember God's faithfulness in the past and anticipate his faithfulness and goodness in the future. So we're going to look at a passage where God does something like this for his people, and then we are actually going to do something like that today together. You know, usually I give you some kind of challenge, some kind of practical step that you can use during the week to make your life better and make you better at life and bring glory to God. Well, today we're going to make it really easy. You're going to get to do it before you even leave today. So uh, I know you're excited about that. (laughs) So uh, to illustrate this, I want to show you a scene from my garage. Now, uh, this is the back wall of my garage. And I don't remember where I first saw it, but I saw somebody that had license plates hanging up in their garage. And I always thought that that was really cool. And so for a very long time, I have thought, that would be cool. I want to do that. And so I started collecting the license place when I could. And after I got it up there, I realized that not only do I like the look, I think it's kind of cool, and it shows different places where we've ever lived or had family through the years. Uh, There's a lot of New Hampshire there. There's some Ohio. There's even New York, because uh, unfortunately, when John and Mason got rid of their car in New York, New York makes you send the license plates back. So I didn't get to keep it. Uh, there's uh, so some of you will remember the Maloneys, who were a family in our church for a long time at the beginning. Uh, when they gave us their van, it had this John three sixteen license plate on it, and I've saved it all that time. But once I got got it up there, I recognized that not only do I like the look, and I think it's kind of cool, and it's a record of our family history in some respects, but I noticed that it's also a record of God's faithfulness to us in, in, in one small, but uh, relatively small, but significant way. And many of you will know that uh, I have really only bought one car uh, over the course of my life with my own money that I earned. And that was my first car, which I wish I still had. When I was in high school, I bought a 78 Ford Mustang II. And 
I ended up hating that car because it had so many mechanical problems. And you know how I feel about mechanical problems. I've told you that about unreliable cars. That's where it all started. That's, uh, that's where it all started for me was with that car. But I wish I still had it. And I also wish the other thing I had in high school was a little Honda MB5 motorbike. It was a motorcycle. Uh, if you can call it that, it was a 50cc. It looked really cool, but it had. It was basically a moped, a, a souped-up moped. Uh, I could. And at that time, I weighed a little bit less than I do now. And we're in Florida, where everything's flat. Top speed: 54 miles per hour. Not 55. I could never get it to 55, but 54 miles per hour. But what I like about this is that it is also a record of. God's faithfulness to us. I think I've probably had now, by now, probably 12 to 18 vehicles, and God has provided in some form or fashion every one of those vehicles. So like this one I know is from the first car that was given to us when we moved to New Hampshire. So that's kind of an older style New Hampshire plate. This one is uh, Alachua County in Florida. That was the car that was given to me as I was graduating from from college and right before we got married. That's the car we had when our firstborn was born. Got some Palm Beach uh, up there, some New Hampshire, some Ohio. I think that one of these Ohio plates was a car that was given from the grandparents to our oldest daughter. Uh, There's a story behind the way God provided cars for John and Mason And uh, in the early days when Cornerstone launched, I got a custom plate that said Cornerstone. But when I look at this, I think about God's faithfulness to us as a family. Just in this one way, he has just proved his faithfulness to us by providing for our needs over and over and over again. So every time I pull into my garage, I see a reminder of God's faithfulness. And it gives me faith for the future because if I do have car problems, if I do need a new vehicle, I don't know how God's going to provide. Maybe I'll be writing a check out of my checking account the next time it comes around. But I do know that God has proved himself faithful over and over again and that I have every expectation that he will continue to do so. So as we enter 2024, I want you to have kind of a, a, a little booster shot, a bolster to your faith. Because that's what that is for me. I can look at that and say, God's been faithful to me in the past. I have every expectation that he's going to be faithful in the future. Now, as we enter into a new year, there's always a lot of uncertainty. You never know what's going to happen There may be needs that you know that you're going to have in the coming year. There may be situations that you're facing that you're really not sure how it's going to pan out. You might not be really looking forward to some of the things that you think are coming in the coming year. But if, uh, and so when we're in a situation like that, our faith can kind of wane and we kind of wonder and we can worry. And God has provided a way for your faith to be strengthened, to be, for you to be encouraged, for your heart to be encouraged, your faith to grow deeper and stronger so that whatever comes your way, you can be prepared and you can be encouraged. 
I chose as the theme for Christmas and now into the new year uh, message, God with us. And last week we looked at the background to that and how that whole Emmanuel prophecy came to be and was fulfilled in Jesus. And now we're going to take it and rather than the prophetic side and the historical side and the Christmas side, we're going to look at it from a very practical side. What does it mean to have the confidence that God is with us and he's there for us and he will be with us in the future? What we're really talking about today is trust. I pointed out to you before that in the scripture, there's one word that's variously translated as trust or belief or faith. We use three different words and each of them have a little bit of a different nuance to them. But in the scripture, it's all one word. And all of those concepts of faith, trust, and belief are wrapped up together. And so that's why often when I'm talking about faith, I will use that word trust because I think that has that's closer closer to the, the heart of what faith means in the scriptures. It's that trust. So how do we bolster our trust in the Lord? And what I want you to see today through this passage, and what, what I want you to experience today before you go, is that God's faithfulness remembered fosters faith for the future. God's faithfulness remembered fosters faith for the future. Just like I can look at that license plate wall and remember God's faithfulness in the past and have my future faith bolstered in the same way when we look back on all of God's faithfulness, when we remember what God has done, it fosters faith for what he will do in the future. So what I'm going to do through this passage is, yes, this is the main idea, but we're going to look at it from a couple of different angles, different ways that you can think about God's faithfulness to you. Uh, And one of those ways would be timing, that God's timing can be trusted. God shows his faithfulness to us in his timing. Also, God's preparation is complete. And lastly, God's provision is complete is sufficient. And we'll come back to each of those in this passage that we are looking at. And like I said, I'm going to give you an opportunity before we go today to practically apply this message. And here's what you'll be able to do to express your gratitude for some aspect of God's faithfulness in the past year. So as we get towards the end of the message, I've got my handy-dandy, handheld, wireless mic, and I will be able to pass it around to you. So as I'm going through this passage, I want you to be thinking about those different aspects of God's faithfulness and see if that sparks any, uh, any remembrances of how God has been faithful to you over the past year. What you do when you express that is, number one, it's just plain right. You know, what do you, what do, you do with it? when your kids were little, somebody gives them something, what do you say? Thank you, right? You prompt them because unexpressed gratitude is indistinguishable from ingratitude, right? So it's just appropriate for to express our gratitude to the Lord. And what it does when we tell those stories among ourselves is it bolsters other people's faith. You are doing a service to your brothers and sisters in Christ by telling of God's faithfulness to you. 
It's the right thing for you to do. It's a good thing for you. It's good for the people around you, and it brings glory to God. We give thanks to God because we know who to give thanks to, right? When things go well, when God provides, we know to give thanks. So that's what we're going to do. So that's, the, that's, that's what you can look forward to. Now, the passage that I'm going to look at is from the book of Joshua. This is in the first part of the book of Joshua. And to set the stage, uh, they are now, the, the people of Israel have been delivered from their slavery in Egypt. They are now getting ready to enter into the promised land. Moses has just died. Now Joshua is beginning to take over, but they have to cross the sea. They have, to, they have to cross the Jordan River. Now, you might remember from last week, if you were here, remember all the guys, the, all the people I had lined up right here? That was a little geography lesson. You had Syria, and then you had Damascus, and then you had Samaria, and then Jerusalem. Now, if think of that line of nations. On this side is the sea, the Mediterranean Sea. On this side is the Jordan River, also the Sea of Galilee, also the Dead Sea. But there's water on both sides. That's why everything kind of funnels down in that direction. So the people with Joshua are on the other side of the Jordan River. They're getting ready to enter into the promised land. You may remember that, if you know the story, that as they were escaping from Egypt, they also had to cross a body of water, the Red Sea, and God miraculously split the waters and allowed the people to walk over on dry land. And then as the Egyptian army followed them in to destroy them, the waters returned and wiped them out. God had done something like this in the past. Now they are camped and ready to go into the promised land. And God does something very similar. But look at what God does. Listen to what he does, what he commands them to do, what he instructs them to do as they cross over. So I'll pick up the story in chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose twelve men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take twelve stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. So again, picture it, they've crossed, they're crossing over, the priests are standing in the middle of what was the Jordan River and is now dry land, and they're going to be camping in the promised land side of the river the night, that night. Verse 4, so Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God, each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder, 12 stones in all one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Verse 8, so the men did as Joshua had commanded them. They took the 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River, one for each tribe, just as the Lord told Joshua. They carried them to the place where they camped for the night and constructed the memorial there. Joshua also set up another pile of 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan at the place 
where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing, and they are there to this day. The priests who were carrying the Ark stood in the middle of the river until all the Lord's commands that Moses had given to Joshua were carried out. Meanwhile, the people hurried across the riverbed, and when everyone was safely on the other side, the priests crossed over with the Ark of the Lord as the people watched. That was through verse 11. I'm going to skip down to verse 15. Then the Lord had said to Joshua, command the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant to come up out of the riverbed. So Joshua gave the command. As soon as the priests carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came up out of the riverbed and their feet were on high ground, the water of the Jordan returned and overflowed its banks as before. It was at flood stage before. Verse 19, the people crossed the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month. They camped at Gilgal, just east of Jericho. It was there at Gilgal that Joshua piled up the 12 stones taken from the Jordan River. Then the Lord, then Joshua said to the Israelites, in the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea, when he dried it up till we had all crossed over. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look at your word today, I pray that you would speak to us, encourage us, that we will see and understand the faithfulness that you have demonstrated to us, and that you will bolster and strengthen our faith as we look forward to the year ahead. We thank you that you are a good and faithful God, and we give you thanks. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's look at it together. God's faithfulness remembered restore, fosters faith for the future. Now, what he did, that practice that I was talking about, is he gives them some way of remembering, a prompt to remember his faithfulness to them. Remember, I said that next week we're going to be celebrating communion. This is the kind of thing that Jesus did when he instituted the practice of communion. What was he saying? Remember, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is the blood that was spilled. This is the new covenant in my blood. Drink this in remembrance of me. What was he doing? He was reminding us through that act over and over again, this basis of our relationship with our heavenly father. And in the same way, God commanded Joshua, Joshua commanded the people to do something that would prompt their remembrance of God's faithfulness. So that in the future, when your children will ask, what do these stones mean? They would, they would see the stones piled up. What do these stones mean? Well, it's a means of passing on, not only encouraging their faith by looking at the past, but also passing on their faith to their children. So, you know, hopefully at, at my house, when our kids see those license plates, they'll think, oh, God provides for us. That's, that's just one of the things that he does. It's passing on that faith, bolstering your own, passing it on to the next 
generation. So that's what he was doing. It's, it's future focused. It's the next generation. It's a reminder. It's a memorial that prompts faith. Then you can tell them, this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. It gives you an opportunity to speak and to tell the story of God's faithfulness. And notice that it is a part of a whole long line of God's faithfulness because he includes the Red Sea just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up till we had all crossed over. And I think this is a really important aspect of this because sometimes when you look back on the past and God has come through, that's great. You're thankful for it, but we don't always make the connection the next time a situation like that comes around. And so he's saying, look, he did this before and he can and he will do it again. In fact, he did. And so the next time we're in trouble, the next time we're facing the sea, the next time we've got enemies at the gate, then probably we can look back on the past and be encouraged and see that God has been faithful throughout that time. And then at the last point, it, uh, last point, last uh, sum up, summing up this whole thing in verse 24, the last verse of the chapter, it says he did this so all the nations of the earth, there's twofold purpose that is expressed so that all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful. You remember how I said when you share what's going on, it it gives glory to God, it it bolsters the faith of the people around you? What he's saying is, look, I did this before at the Red Sea, I'm doing it again, and I want all the nations of the earth to know that my hand is powerful, that I can take care of my people, that I can rescue my people, that I can do amazing things. So it's for everybody else, but it's also for us. And that's what comes in in the second part. And so that you might fear the Lord your God forever. Now, I like the way the message translation pulls this out so that you would hold God in solemn reverence also. Often when we see that idea of the fear of the Lord, it's not that you're supposed to be terrified of God because of what he might do. It's you hold him in solemn reverence. I was thinking about this as we were watching the 100-foot wave. It's a uh, documentary about a place in Portugal that has become world famous for its massive waves that people are surfing. The world record for the tallest wave ever surfed happened off the coast of Portugal. And we were watching it, and it was just a small screen at the time, but I was just like sitting there, I'm like, wow. Because, see, when I was in, in college, I had friends that surfed, and I got out in the water every once in a while. I was really no good at it. I did a little boogie boarding. But about the biggest waves that I've been in is about six feet, and that's pretty big for Florida. And I know that if, you, if that wave crashes on you, you can be tumbled around like you feel like you're in a washing machine and nobody will lift the lid for you. It, it can be a little bit scary. And I see these massive, you know, uh, six feet is about the height of a person. These, feet, these are 60 feet plus. That's taller than the tallest buildings we have in Concord. And people are riding those waves. That is terrifying. That I was sitting in awe looking at those waves. That's the kind of thing I think that God wants to have. It just his, his goodness, his power, his ability should inspire awe in us. That's what it's talking about. So what are the different aspects that you can see in this? 
God's faithfulness remembered fosters our faith for the future. So how, how is God faithful in this? Here's a couple of ways. His timing can be trusted. A lot of times we want things to happen. We want them to happen now. We want them to happen on our time frame. But that's not the time frame that God is on. Let's look at us as an example from this. In the chapter right before, it says, as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up. So uh, notice that it's not until the priests are leading the people into the water, they're on the river's edge and their feet are touching the water, that's when the water starts to back up. I personally, before I start walking into the river, would like to see some dry land, right? I mean, that's, that's how I would have done it if it were up to me. But God's timing is not always our timing, but it's always perfect timing. And that tends to be, in my experience and what I see in the scriptures, of how God works. He doesn't do it ahead of time, but he does it just in time. He doesn't do it on our time frame, but he does it in his time frame. And so there might be something that you can look back on and you're like, that was not my time frame, but God was still faithful. When my water hit, when my feet hit the water, my feet touched the water, when my toes were wet, God came through. And then it happens the same way on the other end. As soon as the priests carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came up out of the riverbed and their feet were on high ground, the water of the Jordan returned and overflowed its banks as before. This is part of the miracle. The, the Jordan River was at flood stage and then it dries up and then it rushes back in to flood stage once again. As soon as the people were across and the priests walked out, the water came rushing behind them. His timing is perfect. So as you think about what, what can you give thanks for, that God's timing was just perfect in the past year. God's faithfulness remembered fosters our faith for the future. Sometimes it's based on our time, on his timing. Sometimes it's his preparation. He just makes a way and he prepares the way for us. Notice that he gives so much instruction for the people about what they're going to do and what's coming. Uh, three days later, this is after the Israelites have camped on the opposite side of the Jordan. They're waiting to cross over. Three days later, the officers went through the camp giving the instructions to the people. So everybody knew what to do. They, they were not left without any direction. God provided direction for them and Joshua passed on the directions. Notice also that he gave this command to the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So it was to the people. He gave direction to the people in leadership, the people who were responsible as well. So here's the encouragement that I take for that. Number one, he's never going to leave you without direction. When you need direction, when you need instructions, when you need the command, it's going to come. And the other thing is, if you're responsible for others, if you have a position of leadership, he's going to give you the wisdom that you need. He's going to give you the direction that you need. You can step out in faith, taking responsibility that God has given you because he will give you the instruction that you need. He's going to prepare you with what you need. Maybe as you look back over the year, there's some way that God has prepared you. And that's an expression of God's faithfulness. So God's faithfulness, remembered fosters faith for the future. Sometimes it's his timing that we can be thankful for. And we can trust him. Sometimes it's preparation. 
We don't know if we have what it takes or if we're going to get what it takes, but he always gives us what it takes. And then lastly, and this is very similar, his provision is sufficient. Now, here's where I see that in that story. A lot of times we think about provision as things or money or something like that. But think about this situation. The people had been in slavery. Moses speaks for God to them, leads the people out of slavery, and now they're facing an even uh, a, a, another significant challenge of going into the promised land. And Moses has died. The leader that had taken them all this way, the leader that gave them God's words, the leader that they trusted and had a track record with, he's no longer around. In fact, that's how the book of Joshua starts. Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you, Joshua, to lead these people, the Israelites. God provides a leader. And I can imagine that Joshua, even though he had been apprenticed by Moses for a while, kind of wondered if if he could fill those shoes. That was kind of a big responsibility to take on. They're having a really good time upstairs. Have you noticed? I thought it was somebody stomping to the music, but I think more is going on. Uh, Anyway, they put up with us a lot, so we're happy to do so in this case. But, um, But that's the situation. And so in this experience of crossing the Jordan River, it's one of the ways that God is showing the people, I'm still with you. Moses is dead, yes, but I'm going to keep leading you. You don't have to worry about it. I'm going to provide the, lead, uh, the leader that you need. And so he's also reassuring Joshua as well. Today, I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Hey, we've heard that before. God with us. God promising to Joshua, I'm going to be with you just like it was with Moses. You don't don't have to worry about playing second fiddle. You don't have to worry. The same God that was speaking to Moses, the same God that was leading, the same God that was showing up for Moses, he is going to be there with you as well. God with you, Emmanuel. So, talking about trust. Talking about God's faithfulness remembered. God's faithfulness remembered fosters faith for the future. His faithfulness is proved in his timing that can be trusted, his preparation, which is always complete, and his provision, which is always sufficient. So as you look back over the last year, maybe it doesn't fit in those categories, but there's something that you're like, yep, I see God's faithfulness in this. Express your gratitude for some aspect of God's faithfulness in the past year. And let us know who would like to be first.